It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by PrizePix. PrizePix is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNBA and use the code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week. You might be already in it. It might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily New Orleans Pelicans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA as a whole, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available wherever you get your podcast from. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, here with you all on this Monday, and I'm excited because we are going to do a lot of draft talk today. The draft might be delayed, but the lottery is set. It means we can start scouting some guys and getting an idea of who the Pelicans are going to take. If they keep, which they're likely to do, the 13th overall pick in this upcoming draft. So we've done a lottery locked on mock draft. We're going to talk about that and eventually build up to who I selected for the Pelicans at 13. So let's dive into it all in today's edition of Locked On Pelicans. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code Locked On and you'll get $10 off your next order. And don't forget, subscribe to Locked On Pelicans wherever you get your podcast from. The only podcast here Monday through Friday for you all, breaking down everything you want to know about the Pelicans. All right, so some draft talk. Yes, the draft lottery happened, and now we know where the Pelicans may be picking, assuming they keep the pick. I tend to think they're probably going to stamp at at least right now, but that has the ability to change in the future. So the Locked On Podcast Network, we got a you know host and a, and a show for every team in the league, both NBA, NFL, hockey, baseball too. But we got together all of the lottery team hosts and did a couple of mock drafts, and they've been doing these for about a month or so, really, with the delete eight teams first. 
and then building up to adding all the rest of the lottery teams in once teams got eliminated. And so you can start to get a kind of general consensus idea, I think, of where guys are going, who's rising up draft boards, where might guys get taken during all of this. We didn't really allow trades or anything during this time. It was more just to maybe kind of help us form a bit of a big board too. So we just finished off the one with all of the lottery teams, including Boston, so the top 14 picks. And it's interesting the way it went out. And at a certain, to an extreme degree, I think, to me for a little bit, some of the picks, some guys really started falling in as it built up to the Pelicans pick at 13. I was starting to get really excited. And then a bunch of guys that I really like went right off the board, really a couple picks ahead. It shows that the Pelicans are probably looking at getting a guy in like tier three of this draft versus tier one or two, because I just don't see some of those top guys falling all the way down to 13. But it also shows that other than maybe the top like two is what I'm thinking now, maybe three guys. We thought three, potentially four most of the year, but I'm starting to think it's maybe two based on how our mock drafts are going. And these guys know their teams well. They do a lot of scouting. They have been putting this content out you know, for a couple of weeks now since their teams weren't in the bubble. So I trust that they kind of have their pulse on this sort of thing. And so the top guy in every one of the mock drafts they've done four, in the top guy in three of them so far has been LaMelo Ball. He's going to go one or two in this draft, I think. And I don't, as at least as of today, don't think that that's in any sort of doubt. The other guy that's really been up there and has gone for the most part one or two and all but one of them is Anthony Edwards. He's been right up there during all of this and it makes, I think, a little bit of sense. He's been one of those guys that's been in the top two, top three of everything so far. So seeing Anthony Edwards shooting guard out of Georgia doesn't necessarily surprise me. That dude is a like just flat out scorer and can go and do a number of other things as well. So I think he makes a lot of sense of being in the top two. But then things get a little bit interesting because you would think then the third overall prospect is probably Wiseman, the center out of Memphis. Uh, James Wiseman, who averaged almost 31 points in the like limited games that he played, uh, just three, but that is pretty incredible. And as like a big man, he looks good. Like he's not going to shoot threes or anything like that, but he does kind of everything else you want out of a center. And with the Golden State Warriors holding that second overall pick, like he makes a little bit of sense there. I think he kind of fits what they would do, but he, in our most recent mock draft, did not go in the top three. Instead, it, they took, it went LaMelo Ball, Anthony Edwards to Golden State, and then Killian Hayes to the Charlotte Hornets at three. Hayes makes some sense. He is very, very good. But I think it was a bit of a shock to see Wiseman start to fall in all of this. So the draft so far has gone LaMelo Ball, Anthony Edwards, Killian Hayes. The top three right there. Then you have a couple of other guys that went in here and that's where it really starts to get interesting because I thought you could have potentially gotten um, a, a very good player at these spots, but guys don't seem to be high on someone, which I think also shows that the middle of this draft is just a bit of a mess in terms of all of these guys are really close. 
that there's not necessarily consensus around all of this, which means this draft has potential to be kind of unpredictable. It probably goes back to the draft where the Pelicans were holding the sixth overall pick and ended up swinging the Drew Holiday trade after Anthony Bennett went number one overall to the Cleveland Cavaliers and threw like everything off. Like no one was expecting that, right? And then the guy who was maybe the number one overall pick in Nerland's Noel fell to six and you're feeling really good about the Pelicans doing it. And then a big trade gets swung because they already had Anthony Davis on the team. So it's a little bit interesting to see how this has kind of been shaking out and to see what the middle of the draft looks like. So there's your top three so far. In the next segment, we'll go over the rest of them. And then we'll look at who I selected for the Pelicans with a 13th overall pick. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Don't forget to subscribe to Locked On Pelicans wherever you get your podcast from. Yeah, we are doing draft talk likely all week long mixed in with some other stuff too. There's a couple thoughts I have on the NBA playoffs I want to share with you all. Like the Morris brothers, man, right? Like come on with some of the stuff that's gone on with the Clippers and the Dallas Mavericks during that series. But don't forget to subscribe to Locked On Pelicans wherever you get your podcast from. That way you never miss an episode. It also helps keep this free in five days a week for you all. And all you have to do is hit that button. Okay, so we've gone over the top three, which was a bit of a surprise that it was Killian Hayes at three versus a guy like James Wiseman. But then things got a little bit weirder. Chicago, with the fourth overall pick, took Denny Adiva out of uh, Israel in, in the Maccabee team. And that was a bit surprising, too. You're, you're kind of looking at like a fall of a center, which makes sense to some degree. But again... I do think that James Wiseman was a consensus top three guy, even if he only played three games in college this year. So to see him start to fall in this, which, you know, could mimic real life, was kind of interesting. Then the next couple of picks were a little bit disappointing for me because these are some of the guys I was hoping maybe would be there at 13. It was a long shot, but like you think maybe one of them would be. At five, the Cleveland Cavaliers took Isaac Okoro out of Auburn, the small forward wing who projects to be a pretty good defender, I think, and potentially shooter as well. It looks like his shot could translate to the NBA um, and is one of the more athletic guys that we've seen out there. He, he, I was high on this guy. I don't see him being out of the top 10, though, but it was a little bit disappointing because maybe, maybe there's an off chance, right? Then the next one to Atlanta, number six, Devin Vassell uh, out of Florida State here. He's a guy that projects to be one of those solid wing players that just does a lot of things well. On a medium amount of volume, he shot 41-42% from three this season. He should be a pretty good defender. He can rebound the ball well, too. That was a bit disappointing. Good size, too, at 6'7". That was a bit 
disappointing to see. You hope like one of those two guys is maybe going to be there, but with the way wings go in the NBA, maybe not. So that's where we're looking at it right now. Lamelo Ball, Anthony Edwards, Killian Hayes, Adiva, Okoro, Vassell at number six. Then things got really interesting, but you're still seeing a couple of guys really start to fall. Obi Toppin hasn't been selected yet, uh, and a couple of other guys. So the next couple of picks go like this. At seven, the Detroit Pistons took Onyeka Okongwu out of USC, their, their front court player, power forward center, depending on what you, how you want to classify him. I don't see the Pelicans targeting him. He doesn't have great size at 6'9". It's a lot of overlap with the guys they have here in Zion Williamson and Jackson Hayes. I wasn't really worried about that. I'm feeling good that he goes there because, frankly, then it means one of the guys that I potentially want at 13 is really starting to fall. And right now, there's a number of guys that I'm kind of excited about here that could fall to 13 depending on how the team's ahead of me drafted. So right now, James Wiseman is still on the board. Tyrese Halliburton is still on the board. Obi freaking Toppin is still on the board. And then, as Schmidt Dua I know loves here, Alexei Pokasevsky is still on the board. And then the Knicks have to go and ruin this a little bit. And at eight, they take Poku. So that takes him off the board because he is a big that seems like he would fit well with Zion Williamson and do a lot of just really good things here, I think, in New Orleans. And it would make a lot of sense. He is mocked all over the freaking place. In the first four versions of the mock draft they did, he only went in the top eight once. And now he's going top eight again, meaning the Knicks have really keyed in on him. But I've seen him mocked anywhere from eight to like 20 in this draft. It seems like he's going to rise up the boards, but could be there depending if a team doesn't really love him, could fall to the Pelicans at 13. Nine, Washington makes a tremendous draft pick, the Wizards, and they take James Wiseman. Probably not the best fit or anything like that for them, but it's such tremendous value at nine to get a guy that was like a consensus top three pick all season long and gets you much younger and just adds a lot of athleticism and things they need there with the Washington Wizards. So I love that pick for him. And then we get into the interesting parts because you got Phoenix, the Spurs, and Sacramento coming up. Phoenix takes Tyrese Halliburton, which I think is pretty good value there overall. Point guard um, out of Iowa State. They need something like that. I think a little bit more there to take some of the burden off of uh, Devin Booker. That makes a lot of sense. I can see that one happening very well. San Antonio Spurs get Obi Toppin at 11. I think, again, tremendous value. This is a guy that uh, people really put in the top of the draft consistently. The power forward out of Dayton, sophomore who was a consensus top guy basically all season long. So, uh, 39% from three, though unlimited-ish attempts. But he can score average 20 points per game along with seven and a half rebounds, about a steal and a block per game as well. So all of these things project pretty well for the NBA level. Like he's going to do a lot of things really, really well. He's going to be a good enough three-point shooter and he's going to be able to go out and score and looks like he should be a decent enough defender too that I'm really high on him. I was kind of hoping that he was going to fall a couple more picks. I was going to snap him up just based on pure value alone uh, that I don't think you could have passed up at 13 if he were to have fallen that far. After that, the Sacramento Kings, what are they going to do? 12th overall pick. They take Patrick Williams out of Florida State. Power forward who I wouldn't have really been looking at for the Pelicans 
Anyway, I don't think he kind of gives the Pelicans anything they're really looking for. Nine points per game, four rebounds, limited minutes. He didn't start a ton of games either. And I, yeah, I was very happy with that. But where does that leave the Pelicans? A lot of the guys that I really, really wanted aren't there anymore. So coming up, I'm going to tell you who I selected for the Pelicans at 13 overall. But before we do that, today's show is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. It's really as simple as that. The easiest endorsement I can give you is I spend my own personal money to buy these things because I like to eat one every day during lunch after a workout as a meal replacement. It's just kind of perfect. They taste unbelievably delicious. Caramel brownie, cookies and cream, toffee, almond, double chocolate, salted caramel, mint brownie. I can go on and on and on. Those sound really good though, don't they? Because they are. And the bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. They're soft. They're easy to chew. They're not one of those like chalky ones where you just need to like chug some water because they're kind of hard to get down because they're just kind of granular chalky. You guys get what I mean. You've eaten protein bars before. But these aren't anything like that. You're going to think you're eating a candy bar. It was surprising the first time I took a bite out of one, not realizing that that's what it was going to be. I've basically been hooked ever since. They're great whether you're looking to lose or maintain weight while just eating something that isn't miserable. They are low calorie low sugar, high in protein, high in fiber, and great for the keto diet. They have some that have 19 grams of protein and 180 calories, or you can go with 17 grams of protein and just 130 calories. They're perfect for like whatever you need, whether it's after a workout, whether it's breakfast, whether it's a meal replacement, these things are awesome for it. And if you've ever bought Built Bars before, they've reset their promo code for the relaunch because they're using a new formula now, which makes these things even better. Plus, they're going to throw in a free cooler with purchase while supplies last. So just go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKEDON, and you're going to get $10 off your next order. Use promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off over at BuiltBar.com. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Don't forget, subscribe to Locked On Pelicans wherever you get your podcast from here Monday through Friday for y'all. And we're going to be focusing on the draft for the foreseeable future. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm already having fun kind of breaking down my thought process looking at the Locked On mock draft we did here. And guess what? It's the Pelicans pick. So at first I was a little bit disappointed. It looked like Obi Toppin might fall to New Orleans at 13. James Wiseman could have been there too, which could have added a lot of value. Or Poku could have fallen. I do think he fits well with New Orleans. So I was a little bit disappointed to see those guys all go in the five picks ahead of New Orleans, including some of the wings that I also really like. They went higher, kind of expected that too, but could see a scenario where one of those guys potentially falls a little bit. So at 13, there's a number of ways that the team could go here based on what I was kind of looking at. I considered RJ Hampton for a little bit. This is a guy going into the year that people would have put in the top three. He had, you know, t- been talked about as the number one overall pick. Didn't really light it up to a degree in, you know, limited minutes, limited games in New Zealand. And when I look at him, you know, he, he reminds me a little bit of Lonzo Ball. He's not the best shooter. He shot under 41% from uh, the field. He will dish the ball out, but 
it's really like kind of it. Like I struggle to kind of look at him and be like, what does he do? He's good defensively, I think. And I think that's an important thing. And he's a decent rebounder is active on the defensive side of the ball, but I just couldn't get excited about that pick. I seriously considered and looked at a guy like Cole Anthony point guard from North Carolina too, adding someone in to maybe make a run at Lonzo ball or add more of that traditional point guard role. I thought would make a lot of sense. I think he's going to be a pretty decent NBA shooter too. And I think it'll project. Well, he shoots the three ball. Well, he doesn't shoot the rest of it. Well, like he struggles at the rim and through contact, he gets fouled and he goes to the line and will shoot and make free throws. He took almost six attempts per game, which on new Orleans would be, you know, a, a wonderful, wonderful thing, but his usage rate is pretty high and I don't know if that's necessarily what you're looking for, but you can't really argue with 18 and a half points per game, 5.7 rebounds and four assists. I think he's going to be a good rebounder. I think he'll be a, a like a, a neutral defender eventually in the NBA, but the lack of shooting six of 15.7 is what he averaged in the season and 38% kind of scares me like that is something that really can hurt this Pelicans team when you're trying to build a team around Zion and BI when you need shooters so it kind of ruled both of those guys out for me there's some others I looked at too but after really kind of watching it the guy I really settled on is Sadiq Bey out of Villanova. There's a number of reasons I decided to go with him. One is he's not a high usage guy. He went up and put up 16 points per game on like 23% usage. It's pretty low. Cole Anthony was 30% compared to that. I like a guy who doesn't need the ball in his hands all the time. Shot 45.1% from three on 5.6 attempts per game. And when you look at his stroke, it should definitely translate to the NBA level. He's a very good shooter. He doesn't really turn the ball over much at all. Uh, and he can go out and give you enough. Like he's going to be a very nice complimentary offensive player, offensive wing, who's got a shot like I like that. That sounds kind of good to me here. He's a decent enough rebounder, averaging basically five per game. 2.4 assists so he can move the ball a little bit better too. It's like a better version of Kenrich Williams without like the top-end rebounding that Kenrich can give you. I trust this guy shooting the ball a whole lot more. Defensively, he concerns me a bit. I forget who was it that pointed this out to me on Twitter, but I went back and watched more of him, and I kind of agree with this assessment to a degree. uh, tweet at me if you're listening and I'll retweet you and I'll make sure people know that this was your idea on some of the stuff that Sadiq Bey did guard basically the top offensive threat top wing offensive threat and and at times in the front court too because he's got good size at 6'8 of the opponent maybe you're not going to look like the best defender when you're taking on the best guy on a night in night out basis and I agree with that to a degree but I would have liked to have seen a little bit more out of him defensively when it came to that because you know what? You're only going to defend better players than that in the NBA, or at least as good. And so if you're not absolutely dominating, which not necessarily that you should in college, but you'd like to have seen a little bit more there. But at 13, when kind of you're really starting to hit that third tier of the draft, I think Sadiq Bey seems to make a lot of sense. Love that he went to Villanova, that there's uh, a bunch of connections there. Um, and it's turned out, turned out top tier NBA guys. Josh Hart went there. Uh, maybe, maybe it convinces Jay Wright to come and coach in New Orleans. He'd be the top college guy I think you could go out and get. So Sadiq Bey is who I ended up picking for the mock draft. Immediately after that, by the way, the 
Boston Celtics took Aaron Naismith out of Vanderbilt, sophomore, uh, small forward as well. I just don't like him defensively. Dude can go out and score. Like he shot 52.2% on eight attempts per game from three. He can light it up as a shooter, but I think you need more on this Pelicans team. I can see him though going in the lottery and I think he probably will just based on that shooting alone. I just like Sadiq Bey a, a little bit more. I may change my mind on this. This is like kind of version one of the mock draft and everything we're looking at right now. But there you go. Sadiq Bey is who I chose for the Pelicans at 13. So we'll break him down some more in the coming days. Some of these other prospects and their pluses and minuses and their fit on New Orleans. I gave you kind of a bit of a preview in that, but we'll do some more deeper dives on all of this stuff because it's draft season and this is kind of fun. It's nice to focus on this a little bit. So don't forget, subscribe to Locked On Pelicans wherever you get your podcast from here Monday through Friday for you all. Talking about all of this stuff, the stuff that you want to know about the team. Never miss an episode. Subscribe wherever you get your podcast from. And that's going to do it for this edition of Locked On Pelicans. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at NolaJake on Twitter, and I'll be back with you all tomorrow. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.